God damn it, really? Hey, everybody, welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. Hey, everybody, welcome uh, to another 2021 I'm Okay, You're Okay, period. I'm okay, you're okay, period. <laughs> I'm okay, you're okay, period. Uh, I'm with you. I agree. Yeah. Also, I know though, some of you are like, so I know, no, there's some people that are like, uh, no, Bobby, you got to do the whole thing. But no, why? I'm okay, you're okay, period. It should almost be, I'm okay, you're okay, I'm not okay, you're not okay, but that's okay. Well, that's... Because being okay with not being okay is part of being okay. The only way to be okay is to be not okay and be okay. Be okay with that. I'm okay. I'm not okay. Dude, now I'm like, I don't even know what any of those I I, I, I don't know how, but I, I have it clear as day. You're okay with not being okay, and that's what makes you, in the big umbrella, okay. That's part of what being okay is. It's being okay, not being okay. What if you're not okay with being okay? What's well, wrong with you? Then, then you, then Daddy wasn't around. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody did something. Like, how are you doing? I'm doing okay, and that's I not good. I do not like that. Hey, uh-uh. you know what though, man? Some people really do thrive on pain and, and chaos. And if things are going too well, they will fuck it up. That is a thing. Well, if things are going too good, it's not. A, you know what it is? It's not even about that things are going good or bad. But there is this thing when things are going good, you're like you start getting frightened because you're like, I like this and I want it to go on forever, but I don't know how to make it go on forever. The only thing I know how to do is fuck shit up. And at least if I fuck shit up, I'm in control of it. Like at least I will be in control. And so a lot of people will just fuck up shit just to be in control. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Or people people will do that for control. A, but even I think even on a level where they can't even think about it that way. I think also people's inner life. People want the world to look like their inner life, and if people have if people's inner life is chaos, they want to make the external world around them chaos so that it so that it matches so that it makes sense. And if sure. you were if you were tell if you were to tell the, I used to tour with a person like this. Actually, my old guitar tech was like that. His inner life, for various reasons, was extreme. It was like a messy room, and instead of cleaning up that room. He wanted to make his external world messy like that room. And I think if I were to say to him, hey, dude, quit trying to control everything, I don't think he would even frame it in terms of control. I, I don't even think that would occur to him. I think it's just the outside world needs to be like his messy inner life. And he made things very difficult for the people around him because of that. And he couldn't even see it. It was actually really sad. Really sad. There's only there's only one thing you can say to somebody. Kuna Matata. Prop up, prop up boy. <laughs> <laughs> prop up, boy. Uh, that's really only because there's no, that's the thing. That's the reason that Twitter is not a good thing. You can't, you're not going to teach anybody anything ever. Either people are going to come to the conclusion themselves or they're never going to learn. Like you just can't. Here's the, here's the only way you can learn something. This is the only way you can learn anything. Yeah. Remember in Kill Bill. When she goes and stays with that guy and she's like carrying the water buckets up the stairs and she's with him for like years and she, she, he teaches her how to pluck right. the eye and she she punches her way out of a coffin. Okay. That guy can maybe teach you something over the course of a decade. But, but other again, than that? No, no, no. But here's the thing. 
the only reason she learned anything is because she wanted to learn. Like she went there and she carried the buckets of water. Yeah. Like if you're not willing to learn, if you're not open to learning, if you're not wanting to learn, there's nothing I can say that will change that fact. And so that's the thing that I don't think anybody understands, including me some of the time, which is like people are just going to do what they're going to do. They're going to learn what they're going to learn. And all I can do is just show up, try to be loving, try to be honest, and try to be accepting. Those three things. Here's what social media did is, and I can recall this clearly because I was on the planet for a long time before social media was the the monster that it is. It made everyone's feelings feel valid because they could just send it to the world and they could, if they were in a band or whatever, on a TV show, they could have a lot, a big audience for that. And the problem with that is all of your feelings are important to you. Yes, they're how you navigate the world and process the world. But here's the truth. They're not all very important. They're just not very, in fact, most of them are fleeting, untrue, biased, based on things that aren't real and not important. And before you could amplify them all, you just had to move through them and exercise them and deal with them and all the shitty ones would fall away. And you would, like Isabel and I talk about this a lot, of t- a lot. like people used to drive in their car and maybe the radio was on or they'd be in the shower and people had a lot more time to be with their thoughts and sort of think through things and process. And when you have that, you you have the self-refining system within you that that sheds bad feelings that aren't valuable in your life. And it it filters through the good ones where you're like, okay, I need to deal with this thing at work. I need to deal with my spouse. My kid needs this. But now all the outrage and all of your little feelingsies you can amplify whenever you want. And now people sit in the shower and don't know what to do with themselves. People sit and stand in line at the post office and don't know how to just be a person in a line being bored. They're, they're zombied out on their phones. People are crashing their cars because they can't drive to the fucking KFC without looking at their Facebook page. It's a big, big problem. And then the companies, that plat- the platforms that made this know it now and they exploit it. And now it's made for that. It's it's bad. I think it's bad news. It is bad news and it's it's not good for it's not good for anybody or anything. Unfortunately, light a guy. <laughs> there there's this band there's this band called Dykent. It's like my new favorite band. They're a German kind of cross between Beastie Boys and Lonely Island, but they're all like in their probably in their mid 40s. They started 20 years ago. And one of their big hits was this song from like 10 years ago about YouTube. And they just basically were referencing all these YouTube videos that went viral. And, you know, they're stuff like somebody smashing their fingers or puking or somebody drawing on somebody who's passed out or a cat falling off of a, you know, a table. Just stupid shit that went viral that everybody liked. And they're just talking about it. And then the chorus is like, not it's not good for the future. It's not good for society. It's not good for people. It's not good for your well-being. And then then they interject, light a guy, which means, unfortunately, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Right, dude. right. And that's the thing. It's like, yeah, it's not good for anybody, but it is fascinating. And it is like... I mean, I'll every once in a while I'll like 
cutest animals. And I'll, I'll literally, I'll sit there in front of the screen for 15 minutes and just watch cute animal videos for 15 minutes. Yeah. Cause I'm not a monster. I don't think you're a monster. Dude, who can't not who can't watch cute animal videos? I I've never been a cute animal video guy. I I immediately Dude, scroll I've away. never I here's I've never been one either until I was. I was never one. I'm not looking for it. I'm not going on the internet looking for cute animal videos. But god damn it, one day there there was in my feed and they they had a little cat with big eyes and I clicked on it. And as soon as I clicked on it, it did something to my brain. And then I was just like, uh, yeah. How about the fact that everyone has a podcast? Like all of my friends have a podcast. And in a way, I listen to all their goddamn podcasts so I can sort of keep up with my friends. You know, so I can hear them talk and hear what's going on in their lives. Because usually... Like at the beginning of my Metallica podcast, we do a little housekeeping where we sort of catch up on shit. We, you and I don't do that because our whole podcast is us catching up on shit. But right. I do that with my friend's podcast, not even because I care about what they're talking about or whatever their show is, but just so I can sort of be with my friends. How fucking weird is that, man? My friends who don't have a podcast is weird to me that they don't. I know. All, all of my friends, I always, that don't have podcasts. I'm always like, you have to start your own podcast. You need to start a podcast. What are you doing? Yeah, totally. Because the only podcasts I listen to are podcasts with people that, like, where I want to be their friend. Like, I like the person. I'm like, I want to be their friend. I can't, but I can kind of listen to them talk to each other. And then it's almost like I'm in the room with them and we're just talking. Because I'm kind of talking in my head, too. They're talking and then I'm kind of commenting in my head. So in a way, I am like hanging out with my friends at a podcast. And I'm sure people, when we're talking together, it's like they're, it's like you, me, and the person listening right now. And you and me are doing most of the talking, but that even that person there is talking in their head and they're interjecting and, and commenting about what we're saying. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it, that's the number one compliment we get for the Metallica podcast, because that's just more, but we're talking about this metal band. A lot of people who grew up loving metal felt like outcasts. So it's a big thing over there for them to feel like, oh, finally someone I can talk about deep cuts Metallica shit with. So that's right. that's happening over there. But a lot of people have written in about this podcast and saying like, this got me through the loneliness of like lockdown year, of COVID year. Right. And it's for that reason. It's because there's something about letting someone in. Because really what we're doing on this podcast is letting a lot of people in on our friendship. Which yeah, which is an interesting thing to do because we don't really have a premise for the show. I mean, the show is just us talking. I like talking to you. I like hearing what you have to say, and I want you to listen to what I have to say and then comment on it because I appreciate your perspective and and uh, and so I am just grateful that we get to have these conversations because we wouldn't talk as much as we talk if we didn't do this. Like we would talk maybe once a month or once every couple weeks. Yeah. Or maybe we would talk more. I don't know, but I doubt it. I can't remember what it was like before we had the podcast. I, I, I dude, I can't remember anything that happened like literally uh, yesterday. Yeah, and it's not good. Except here's what I did have yesterday: a panic attack, and I'm glad I'm not having it right now. 
I heard that. Here's what I decided yesterday. I'm going to fast for two days. I was so freaked out having that panic attack. I'm like, I'm just not going to eat for two days. Because I, what I did yesterday, the reason I think I had this panic attack, first of all, I was absolutely, I usually take a nap in the afternoon. I didn't take a nap. I had to take my son around to places. So I drank this Starbucks coffee, which is really strong, at about 4.30 in the afternoon. Then after I got done running him around, I came home and ate this giant big bowl of spaghetti. <laughs> and the combination of the spaghetti and the coffee, and then I tried to lay down at like 8.30, which is night-night time for daddy. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting there with this giant thing of spaghetti, plus all of my body fat, plus this caffeine, plus I think I'm allergic to the rabbits we have at our house now. Plus I have like sleep apnea. All of that came coming together in this giant like anxiety storm. And I'm like, oh shit, I'm gonna fast. If I make it through tonight alive, <laughs> I'm not eating anything for the next two days. Oh yeah. And you, I'm gonna make I'm going to make it. That's what I call uh in the in the drinking, you know, the drinking days, the promises to God. You're, you're you know, you're it's not just God, but you're you're making the promises. It's like if I can get oh, yeah. through this, I'll do A, B, and C. I'll do it. I'll make it all. I'll put it all together. Oh yeah. Uh, I don't know if fasting is the answer to that. I do think you your lack of sleep and then the big old fucking jolt of caffeine was the big problem. The spaghetti no. should have made you, you know, put you in a coma. No, the spaghetti was. Oh, and on top of the spaghetti, two giant uh, things of bueno chocolate bars. <laughs> of what? Bueno. It's just- Bueno chocolate, Kinder Chocolata makes it. It's the best candy bar. Here's how, you, here's how you know not to eat that. What does bueno mean? Good. Good chocolate bueno bars. Bueno means good. <laughs> Dude, they're amazing. Anyways, <laughs> I'm not eating Here we are eating good days. chocolate bar. I'm going to give my body a break for two days. I'm just going to But I feel like fasting is not coffee. giving your body a break. Fasting is like, fasting is shocking your body. No, fasting is good, dude. You- Everybody should fast every day. Like you should, you should have at least 12 hours every day where you're not eating to give your body a reset and a break from eating. But the problem with me is I eat from the minute I get up until the minute I go to bed. And I go to bed at, you know, midnight and I wake up at 4 a.m. So I'm always eating and it's not good for your body. Every, you have to give your body time to reset. And then, cause all of your, what are the endorphins or serotonin? That all comes out of your like, digestive system like it comes from there and if you don't give yourself a break you'll you'll get run down you'll get depressed what do you mean your endorphins and serotonin come from your brain i don't think so dude i think they come from your like intestine where does serotonin originate it's almost exclusively produced neurons originating in the raft nuclear located midline of the brainstem yeah all right, let's find out about endorphins. That's why VR stimulates those parts of your brain. You feel like you're flying or jumping off a cliff or you're scared. Oh. What did it say about endorphins? Same. Yeah. Oh, check it out. Serotonin, best known as a neurotransmitter, critical for central nervous system development and function. 90% of the body serotonin is produced in the intestine, where it has been increasingly recognized for its hormonal autocrine paracrine and endocrine actions. Well, wait a second. I thought you just said it was produced in the brain. 
Where is serotonin produced? This is from studysciences.com. A group of cells at the bottom of the brain produces serotonin from an amino acid called L-tryptophan. Serotonin is also made in the digestive system and by precise skin and blood cells. Scientists have identified more than a dozen kinds of serotonin receptors in various areas of the body. It's a chemical that acts in the brain and other parts of the body to influence many feelings, actions, and processes. Right, it acts in the brain, but it says 95% of the body's serotonin is produced in the intestine. Yeah, it says it's found in your stomach and digestive tracts, helps control your appetite and eating. Yeah. Also sleeping. So that's the idea, is like if you give that a break and clear some of that shit out of there, it helps... It, it it helps you be able to produce more serotonin. So I have noticed, like, I have done that. The problem with me and, like, intermittent fasting, which is what not eating for 12 hours or 14 hours or 16 hours, I always take it to the extreme. So if I just don't eat from 8 to 8, that's all I need to do. But then I'll do it from 8 to 12. You know, it I'll just do seems, 16 hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do... I hear that. It just seems it seems untenable for like a long time. Like I'm on day like 58, and then all I do is I just I have a certain amount of calories I can eat. If I want right. more than that, I have to exercise. But regardless, whatever I do, I have a certain amount of calories, and I just stay in it. That's all I do. And it sets. Yeah, yeah. It's based on my weight and my age and all that crap. It's set to if I don't eat more than those calories, I will lose one and a half to two pounds a week, and that's just been happening. Right. And you know. I get to eat whatever I want. It, it, there's just no, it's no um, microbes or anything. I just eat whatever I want. I'm rarely hungry. I've been losing weight. I feel better in my clothes. I am a little, I am a little grumpy, which isn't good for my family. It does make me a little grumpy, but not all the time. So, you know, I used to do these intense like juices and juice fasting and the big shocking things, you know. Those are hard for me. I think you're losing too much weight. I think you should, you should really, ideally, you should, you should never lose more than a pound to a pound and a half a month. It's definitely too much weight. It's, it's not something that, that you do forever. It's like a three month thing, right? But at, but the, at the end of three months, I've read that if you lose that much weight over a short period of time like that, it sets up this hunger. I don't know what the there's some hormone that's secreted that makes you hungry or feel hungry, that once you lose that much weight, until you gain it back, you'll be hungry all the time for years. It's not weeks. It's not months. Like So if you go back to a normal diet after this, where you're just maintaining your weight, you're going to be hungry all the time. That's why all those people that lose weight on diets, they all, it all you always gain it back because it sets up this crazy craving. No, they food. they gain it back because they get lazy and they eat bullshit. What you have to do to maintain healthy weight is you have to change your life. You have to right. change your whole life. So you can't be like, oh, I lost forty pounds. Time to get the cake out. You have to lose the forty pounds, and then you have to say, my cake eating days are behind me. I get to eat a cake on special occasions, and if I do eat the cake, the next day it's exercise time, baby. I, I hear what you're saying, but what I'm what I'm saying is, even if you put the cake away, once you lose that weight, you're going to be ravenous all the time. That's not been my experience. Then why did you gain the weight back? Because you pulled the cake out of the cupboard? Uh, because I was living through a COVID year and coping, and I couldn't go to my gym, and because I was sad and scared about the future. 
Okay. I don't feel I'm not starving all the time now. What for okay. me for me hitting a goal, what that what what really changing my life looks like is me hitting my goal and being happy with that. And then bumping up my my calories for the day to something a lot more reasonable. That's not right now it's like sixteen fifty. Bumping that up to like twenty five hundred and then just maintaining that and eating within that for the rest of my life. And pep yeah. and peppering in uh weekly exercise, going you know, like changing my life. And peppering in some cake and bueno bars. And peppering in some cake and some good bars. <laughs> Dude, here's the only thing here I, I will say the only thing that's ever really worked. As an adult, when I say an adult, I'm talking about somebody over 40. Mm-hmm. The only thing that's ever worked is is counting calories. Yeah. Which really, it's not about counting calories. It's about being- Accountable. It's it, it's about being accountable and taking responsibility for what I'm putting into my mouth. Yeah. Into my mouth, into my mouths. Well, and I think too, it's about understanding the relationship between how you feel and what you're, you know, like- Rachel and I, our mutual friend, Rachel Loy, we talked about this where she, she's like, once you, if you really take the counting calories thing seriously for an extended period of time, you don't have to do it as rigorously anymore. You, you start to understand what's, what, what the caloric value of food is. So you, you could, she's like, I could look at a, a a bowl, a burrito bowl and guess it's like, that's like 750 calories. And she's like, so I'm not, I'm no longer sort of enslaved to it because I was accountable and I committed to it. And now she can live a kind of more of more free, happy life where it's not, hold on, let me look up the macros of this, whatever the fuck it is. And I've, right. I've found that to be true. I can generally guess what something is, and then I can make a big boy decision because I'm wearing my big boy pants about whether or not that meal is worth what it's going to cost me. It's true, dude. Once you start putting the calories down and you start realizing what things are. Totally. My, uh, we always buy these little like blueberry muffins from H-E-B. That are delish, and they're tiny. They're they're little tiny muffins. And so how, they're not like a big muffin. How many a piece, dude? There's so many calories in one of those tiny muffins. It's like I don't know what it is, but once you're counting calories, like if you eat two of those, you're like halfway through all of your calories yeah, for the yeah. day. Yeah. And so once you realize that, you're not just going to be passing through the kitchen and pop one of those in your mouth. Exactly. But, which is what I which is what I'll do right. if I'm not counting calories. When I'm not counting calories, I'm like, eh, whatever. Yeah, I do the same thing, and and I eat a lot out of boredom when I'm doing that. I'm like, yeah. well, because I have to walk through my. As you know, you've been to my house. I have to walk through my kitchen. Like the kitchen's the very center of our house. It's not sort of tucked away. I'm I'm trying imagining the layout of your house. I mean, you pretty much have to walk through your kitchen too. Oh and, yeah. And if you're walking through, I mean, you know, there's eating's fun. Eating eating solves a lot of uh, short-term problems. Well, here's the other thing that we do in our house is we make stuff and then feed it to our daughter. She doesn't need it because yeah. she's, she's doesn't have the psychological problems that me and my <laughs> right. wife do. So she'll just leave it there. And now you're, and I'm not cleaning it up because I made it. My wife ain't cleaning it up because she's my wife. And uh, so now there's just food there. And yeah. so every time you walk past, there's some French fries. There's some fucking chicken nuggets. There's some fucking leftover pancakes. I know. There's some leftover fucking waffles. It's irresistible. The I only know. reason I'm not eating them now is because I'm convinced my daughter's got COVID sometimes, so I won't eat them. But before COVID, if there was a waffle and I'm walking past it three times, it's like Checkpoint Charlie in Berlin. 
in the 70s. You might be able to get through there once or twice without getting shot, but the third time they're putting a bullet in your head, boy. Prop up, boy. Prop up. I'm eating those waffles, man. God damn it. Your best bet, dude, is to just immediately toss the food. Yeah, you got to toss it in the trash. Here's what I've never Here's what I've never done, dude. I've never <laughs> I've never done this. And I say it and now I know I'm going to probably do it at some point. I've never fished anything out of the trash to eat it. I've never done that. I've never done it. So if I put it in the trash, it's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We still have some human standards. I've also never done that. But I'll tell you, I've, I've tell thought you, about, I've thought about it though, as I'm throwing it out and I go, I hope at some point I don't actually dig into the trash and grab this. Let me tell you about real power though, man. And it, I've, I've locked into it a few times. Not a lot. It's, it's, it's probably something I'm going to struggle with my whole life. I'm beginning to accept that, but I'll tell you some real power is when you lock into this thing where it's like, put whatever you want in front of me, baby. I'm not eating that shit. Like right. you really have found this and it's fleeting but you found this control. And oh, for, yeah. me, for me, it happens after the first 10 days are the hardest because you work hard, you work really hard, and it's when you're at your hungriest because you haven't broken a cycle yet and you don't see any results. You know, you get on the scale after a week or two and you're just like, fuck. But once you start to see the, the correlation with the work you're putting in and the, and the benefit, you start to kind of lock into this power where it's like, what I want I want this bigger thing more. I just want it more. It's just easy. I remember you talking to me about that. And this is sort of in terms of sobriety. This is maybe the first two or three years we were working together. We were doing the Outside Lands Festival. And we were in like our little green room. And there was like a shitload of, you know, they provided a bunch of booze. And I was like making a cocktail. And I was like, man, does this bother you? I was just, I did, you know, hadn't really worked with a lot of sober artists before. And you were like, no. You were like, dude. You were like, drinking that to me would be the exact same thing as drinking gasoline. Yeah. I think you were like, hey, if you were like filling your lawnmower up, you know, in that little red tin, right? are you ever tempted to drink that? And it's like, no. I mean, no. Right. It doesn't even occur to me. And you were like, that's how it's, that's the kind of power. Dude, I, I know it. I, yeah, I have that with, with alcohol. Also with, with uh, like sex or right. like fooling around in right. my marriage. It's the same thing. Like I, there's no part of me that wants to do it. And I think it's about vilifying. It's about vilifying the results. Like for me, drinking, there's no way, there's no math that I can do where drinking helps my problem. There's no math where I can like fool around in my marriage and it solves any problems. Mm -hmm. So I don't even spend any time thinking about it. The problem that I have is with food, I'm still thinking like, oh, if I have a bueno bar, I'm going to feel better immediately and I want to feel good right now. Yeah. And I haven't vilified it to the point where like, where because I'm not willing to give it up. I'm, I don't want to give up that feeling of having chocolate in my mouth or Cheetos or whatever. But I remember when you lost a bunch of weight, it was like five years ago or something. Yeah. We were touring and what that switch happens where not eating the Bueno bar starts to feel good in the right now. And maybe you feel a little hungry, but almost the feeling hungry is the feeling of your abstinence working. So you feel no, that it 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 no, I I had the thing where I was going I'd made a decision and I was going to stick to the decision, but I knew that as soon as I was done, the 30 days were over, the 90 days were over because I think it was a 90-day thing. 
I knew I would go back to the way I was doing things before. And I actually started going to Overeaters Anonymous because I knew me. And I was like, man, I got to figure something else out because I know the way I eat. And I couldn't find any good groups to go to here in Austin. Mm -hmm. I went to like three or four meetings and there were not, there wasn't a lot of recovery here for that. And then I met with another guy who went to another thing and that didn't look good. So I never really got help. But I do think for me, accountability is a huge part of. Well, remember we were like sharing each other's, uh, we were sharing each other's, what was it? Our, just our caloric yeah, our intake. calorie count. Our, yeah, we would. You would send me your screenshot of your calorie counter, and I would do the yeah. same with mine. And yeah. that helps too. Like if you know somebody else is going through this with you, or you're going to sh- like you know you're going to show your calorie count to somebody. It it it's why it's why like Alcoholics Anonymous works because you're talking to another alcoholic and you both decided you're not going to drink and you know you're talking. And something about that interaction between those two people keeps you sober well like, i mean we can kick that I, i'm logging my shit every day i mean i'm we can kick that right. back up all right it's weird even just saying it right now i'm like oh motherfucker it's not what i want to do uh because i i want those bueno bars but let's do it starting today but the thing is here's the thing though man you can have the bueno bars as long as yeah. you get your ass outside and go walking because we'll go for like if i know we're gonna have a rich dinner yeah, yeah. i'm excited to go for the walk and I'm not even talking crazy. Dude, we walk for an hour. It's like 300 calories. That cuts into that fucking rich dinner. And then I'm not, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You, you, can, you can prepare for the, you don't have to give the bueno bar. That's the thing to tell your brain. Your brain goes, oh man, that's the end of bueno bars. And I love bueno bars. That's not the case. Yeah. I mean, I could have two bueno bars and then not eat anything else. How, ma- the rest how of many the calories were in a bueno bar? It's got to be a lot, dude. It's so good. Let's, let's just take a look. Because sometimes looking will break the spell. Oh, it, 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 it. Definitely, if it's like if that's all you can eat, then you're like, is it called kind of like, is it called Kinder Bueno? Yep, Kinder Bueno. And is it per stick? Two sticks in a in a in a two sticks in a candy bar. Two hundred and forty calories per stick. So yeah, four hundred and eighty calories. So I had eight. That's a meal. I had nine hundred. No, four. I had eight hundred and eighty calories after. 880 calories after I had a huge plate of spaghetti. And see, but which that got to be a lot. My version of that was was alcohol. So I would, I would do a whole normal day of eating, and then I would drink 2,000 calories of alcohol before bed. You start to yeah. clean all. You start to clear away all that debris, and then you start to feel better, man. You start to you start to just lock into some power. But I'm happy to go back to that accountability thing with you again because I do think that's the, that's the key. And speaking of the key, we have gone long. We've given the uh, IOK babies out there a little extra sauce this week, and we will dip now into the Secret Weekly. If you want to come into the Secret Weekly with us, all you got to do is support the show via Patreon. If you think the show has value, you think it's funny, you think you learned something, you like hanging out with us, you like the consistency, we give you two episodes a week, and you want to get into the Secret Weekly, go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, slash the letters IOK. Be a part of what makes the show cool. And uh, with that, we're going to leave you and slide into the Secret Weekly. So bye. Hey, bye. (laughs) 